It's crazy that society would view anxiety or depression as some sort of negative or, or some sort of weakness, right? It's just, it, what a caveman way of approaching mental health issues that we all have. I'm glad that we're finally lifting the veil on that. Welcome to The Change, where we share stories and inspiration from servant leaders working to normalize the mental health conversation and increase empathy in business. I'm your host, Adam Baru. Today, I speak with Patrick Jones, a producer, sketch artist, and comedian, film student, and host of the podcast, That Gives Me Anxiety, a podcast about things that scare us and how to deal. Hey, Pat, welcome to The Change. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I know uh, we've spoken before. I've been on your podcast. Um, mm-hmm. Still, I think I'm waiting to see that episode come out. But uh, yeah, so we've, we've spoken before. So today is my opportunity to get you as a guest and kind of dive into what you do and, and how the work um, that you're doing and the podcast uh, ties in with what we're doing here on The Change. So you have a podcast called That Gives Me Anxiety. I was actually just listening to um, your episode on, I think it was around... Um, schedules and and getting stressed out by them you had yeah when you're not in control of your schedule yeah yes exactly so we're gonna definitely dive into that because that's something that i like literally i almost wanted to say i daily deal with that but (laughs) i almost deal with that on an hourly basis you know yeah it's something we all talk about right like if a a meeting pops up on your work calendar even that like message can give you anxiety right yeah for the listeners, the episode is is more about, you know, times you're visiting your family or, you know, when you can't decide where you're supposed to go or, or what you're supposed to or, or what you're going to be doing and, and how helpless that can make us feel. Totally. Um, yeah, definitely. I uh, want to get into that with you, um, but let's get started. OK, so, you know, in your bio that you, you provided to us, you, you self-described as a journalist, comedian and podcaster. OK, so. Um, interesting background there. So let's, why don't we start with, you know, what got you into all that? Um, you know, I'd love to hear the comedian part of that too. I think that's really cool. So why don't you take us there? I mean, um, and then we'll go back further, you know, um, in your history a little bit later, but yeah, journalist, comedian, podcaster. So how did, tell us how that came to be. Yeah. So I was at school in, in SUNY Buffalo and unsure where, what I wanted to do with my life. Definitely one of those people that, you know, I have a lot of energy, but I, I didn't know which direction to sort of point it. And I, I always felt a little guilty about trying. I, I was interested in film and video, but I felt guilty as like, you know, it's not a real job to, to kind of pursue that. Right. It's mm. it's it's something it's a hobby. It's it's, you know, what rich kids get to do. Uh, no, I get that. Like, like a privilege type of exactly. That's that's a better word for it. Yeah. Um, but I, I I just in in undergrad, I I took a visual communications class, and we talked a lot about the cinematography of older movies, and I just found myself enthralled with that, and and loved Mm. like the metaphor that you can put forward, and and so ended up deciding to pursue. Uh, a master's degree in film and video, which I ended up doing at uh, American University in, in DC. Okay, um, just loved it, and and so following getting my master's degree, I took a job at a startup. I mean, before that, I was doing some freelancing and mm-hmm. didn't really think that that was for me because 
it was too exhausting, especially at the ground floor level to like be finding jobs while yeah. also wanting to do well at the job that you were getting and wanted something a bit more substantial. So my first full-time job was with a company called buzz 60 and we made these short 60 second news clips, everything from, uh, you know, celebrity gossip to actual political news to, uh, you name it, right. Weird news, everything in between. Mm -hmm. And there I was editing, shooting, lighting, hosting every aspect of the, of the process. Mm -hmm. And, I've always been, you know, loud at, at, at times in my friend group and okay. enjoyed making people laugh. And so I brought a flavor to these videos that were kind of on the funny side, right? It's mm-hmm. not like a stand-up routine, but a, a comedic edge to them. I mean, yeah, which also helped make, you know, I was making five or six videos a day. It also helped pass the time to like wow. add some more, <laughs> you know, personality to them um, totally. and then yeah from there I, I i wanted to get better at that job so i started doing improv and and sketch comedy at ucb and the pit uh and the magnet theater and a bunch of different theaters in new york city and and fell in love with that as an art form and and loved being on stage and uh, i still perform well now here in charleston okay at theater 99 which awesome. has been incredible. Yeah. I mean, what was that like to get like to go up on stage? Had you done that before? Like high school theater or no, this was just, was a, Hey, I'm going to go there and do that. Yeah. So I think it stems from my headspace at that time was I've always had something outside of work. I've always needed something creative or athletic to push myself towards after, you know, school or work. Um, so at that time, I was kind of getting bored with life outside of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was tired of, of every weekend being, all right, what bar are we going to? I wanted something outside. And, and I bumped into a, a high school friend that I hadn't seen in years, told me that he was signing up for an improv class and like kind of explained to me what improv even was, mm-hmm. uh, because I wasn't really sure, you know, what it meant, like uh, what long form improv was. Signed up for the class. like on the spot, the, the class that he was taking. And mm-hmm. um, the first night I was there, uh, the teacher brought us to a, a jam after class, which is just where people of all different levels can get up at the same time with more experienced people. And and the more experienced people help you kind of navigate your way through. So I, yeah. I jumped up that first night and uh, I was terrified, but I feel alive, right? So yeah, totally. Life can be boring unless you fill it in with things that make you feel things. Absolutely. I, and you know, we've the first two episodes of the change, we talked about emotional courage and, and that's, um, that's what you're touching on here. I mean, you, you just had a passion, you had a desire to have this creative side and you didn't let your fear get in the way of doing something that really piqued your interest that that lit a fire within you and so Mm -hmm. you know talk about that a little bit more i mean just what you know you know and then as you started to do it a little bit more i mean for me for me the way that i relate to it um in a in a creative world is when i started doing wedding photography i think i was really excited at first i was terrified and then it got to a point where i really didn't think 
I was good enough. And then I kind of powered through that and think I made a pretty good career out of it. Although financially it didn't really pay the bills too well for me, but mm. you know what, talk about that process a little bit, you know, and I, only because I'm hoping that people that are listening, you know, can understand what that process is like. I mean, it's not like, you know, for a lot of people, you know, in, when it comes to emotional courage, it's not like you do it and it's terrifying. And then you're like, Oh, well I did it. I'm good. Like, it kind of takes a. It took a while for me, at least, to get to that point where I felt comfortable and not like an imposter in that space. Yeah, it it, it ebbs and flows, and you know, I feel I, I've been doing it now about ten years, and there are times when I I do feel like an imposter. You know, uh, there are times where I'm on stage and and it's like, oh man, what am I doing? Like that was terrible. I mean, that's also the nature of the art form itself is that right. there's nothing prepared. Like you could the bottom could drop out and you could have a terrible show, right? That's very, it's not like a play where it's pre-written and people know the songs to Hamilton before they even come, right? Like it's going to sure. be, it's going to work out. <laughs> but with, with improv uh, in particular, it, it could go wrong. And, and so that fear is, is always there a little bit, but I've learned to channel that to excitement, right? Away from, letting it debilitate me. And, and that only comes like exactly what you're saying about wedding photography. That only comes with failure and living through the failure hundred percent and just battling through it because the excitement outweighs the potential for disaster. Yeah. And failure is, is fine. Like it mm -hmm. sucks, but it's been the greatest teacher for me. And it's been, you know, for me, the greatest, teacher in terms of like understanding who I am and what I'm capable of and understanding what my boundaries are, you know? And you change your boundaries a little bit, but when you, when you fail and I always look at failure too, as, as a funny story, right? Like I have stories with my friends who I was coming up with in the improv world. And it's like, Hey, you remember that show where we just ate it? And, and, you know, we have a laugh mm -hmm. about it, right? It, it, it adds, yeah. it's funny. It, it's, you know, it's, not a monster in the closet it's just it's a good story now it's a badge of honor almost yeah and you know one of the memories i have i think this was my second wedding i photographed and everything was going well and then um after the ceremony you know i usually took the family shots like the, all the family mm -hmm. portraits and stuff like that and this was a large family and it was taking a while and it was kind of a warm day and i had my camera bag and see, I didn't know this at the time because I just hadn't had the experience, but I had my camera bag with my lenses and stuff just sitting on the grass, like in the sun. And then I go to put one of my other kind of main lenses on and it was completely fogged up on the inside because it was oh, in the no. sun. So, um, you know, what I, what I learned in that moment is wedding photography is very much about problem solving mm -hmm. in the moment. Right. And, uh, and that's something that, you know, with my career and with a lot of things, I really enjoy problem solving of whatever variety that may be. Um, so one thing I wanted to touch on, you know, especially related to improv that I think is really cool is, you know, this idea of being in a flow state. And this is another topic we've discussed on the change. Um, you know, something that I think is just what our soul needs is being in more of a flow state at more times, right? And that's very much like the creative process is very much mm -hmm. about that. But also the problem solving, like, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm, I've been, uh, you know, my main kind of nine to five is in software development. 
And, um, you know, there's so much problem solving in there. I get, I get in such a flow state. So, you know, tell me, tell me what that's like for you. And, you know, have you kind of thought about it? Have you thought about flow state and how it impacts your mindset or just maybe fills your cup from kind of like a higher, like abstract level? Oh yeah. So, I mean, even when I first come out on the stage, right. in theater 99, we do short form improv, which is more quicker, more jokey kind of games, like little scenelets and stuff. Uh, and then we do long form later on in the show. When I first come out, right, and they introduce, and Patrick Jones, right, they introduce the whole cast. I'm nervous, I'm anxious. And I remember thinking, even this Friday, like, acknowledging that anxiety and then just being like, oh, it's okay, I'm going to enter the flow state here shortly, and I'm not even going to think about the audience, right? Mm-hmm. It's, uh... Which is such such an interesting acknowledgement that like oh yeah whatever I'll just get through this part and I I know where my mind is going to go because once you're once you're in there once you're you're just thinking about I mean you got a chessboard in front of you uh, yeah. in terms of like all right what does the scene need what's the callback to something else like you're just rotating through all these thoughts all right what is this other performer looking for me like what are what are ways I can help the show because even when you're on the sidelines you're an active you're, you know, you're a director and that like if a scene needs to be edited, you you have to do that, right? We're, we're building the show together on the fly. So if you're not in that creative flow state, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> yeah. You're not listening. No, that's really, that's really cool. That state feels good. It, it mm-hmm. feels, it's a departure from yourself, right? Like it, it's probably something similar to, you know, why some people have a drink after work or, or you know, get get in their weed a little bit right uh it's it's a departure from the day's trouble and it's also it's meditative i mean it kind of gets you out of your little monkey brain mind (laughs) where you're just completely in the moment and your senses are heightened you're listening you're looking you're you Mm -hmm. know what's going on with um the dialogue of you know the the other players around you and stuff like that Mm so that's awesome i love that you're doing that that's really cool yeah and so i want to kind of switch gears and talk about your podcast that gives me anxiety so you know where did that where did the idea for that come into play and and tell me how anxiety has been present in your life yeah i i've been anxious my whole life. I mean, I was a tightly wound kid, right? I remember um, just being worried about like the silliest things from like the playground days that, uh, you know, just having like awkward schoolyard things that would happen, but they would like blow up and become mountains, right? Mountains, mm-hmm. you know, the old cliche mountains from molehills. Um, and I would worry about them for, for months and, and, Know, potentially even like a whole school year just like something awkward i said on a school so yeah. it just constantly it, it's been present in my life I, I think a big misconception that some people have about anxiety is that you need to have something particularly traumatic in order to be anxious right uh divorce or or something you know going on uh, some kind of harassment or assault or, or, or something like mm-hmm. that that's not really the case i mean certainly you know, what I just described are, are large moments that probably would cause a lot of anxiety. Mm-hmm. But if you're just a person that's just really anxious, you deserve the, to, to explore ways to improve your mental health as well. And uh, it took me until I was like 30 to acknowledge that mental health was something that I could 
actually work on and improve. Mm-hmm. And and that's a part of what the show is. It's it's part of my journey trying to improve my life and improve other people's lives and give us tools to help us handle the life's scariest things because it sucks to be afraid. It sucks to be depressed. It sucks to be anxious. And and by talking about it and sharing stories, you know, it's just like a potluck of ideas. Just everybody's mm-hmm. got their own things that have helped them. And, and, you know, maybe one thing doesn't work with you, but something else will, right? There's a yeah. lot of options out there and I just want people to hear about them and, and at times where it makes sense, laugh about it. Totally. No, I think even just having the conversations, normalizing, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's the world in which we're living now that I'm, I'm super proud to be living in this moment where, you know, we're seeing in popular culture, you know, a lot of different uh, people and, and organizations that are really understanding that we all, you know, kind of suffer in one way or the other from mental health issues, whether it's like a persistent chronic thing or whether it's just, you know, based on some sort of event like you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, you know, not being afraid as somebody who's going through mental health stuff of being able to talk about it, like understanding like, Hey, I don't have to hide this thing or live in a closet with it anymore. Like, you know, this person next to me is probably dealing with something that is just as, you know, challenging in their life and and just kind of being able to relate to each other. That's, that's another, um, you know, reason why I've, I've been very excited to, you know, have these interviews with, with people like yourself. I've just, um, you know, just, kind of normalizing it and just understanding, you know, having that empathy where, you know, being able to relate to each other and, and feeling less alone. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's another big thing with it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's crazy that society would view anxiety or depression as some sort of negative or, or some sort of weakness, right? It's just it, what a caveman way of approaching mental health issues that we all have. I'm glad that we're finally lifting the veil on that. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm the CEO of a software company. Um, and you know, even just six years ago when I created the company, I just, I didn't, I don't know. I mean, maybe a lot of it had to do with just me and the way that I kind of was viewing the world and and my belief systems. But I, looking back now, I don't think that the climate for being a vulnerable leader and being open with, you know, my challenges and, and kind of sharing that with my team is mm-hmm. kind of trying to model vulnerability and, and open communication. Um, again, it could have been more on me, but I just, I really don't think that we were there yet as a society. I, I think definitely, you know, a lot of the, you know, divisions that, that a lot of people have been fighting through over the last several years and then the pandemic really, mm-hmm. you know, were the catalyst for, you know, I'm not feeling okay. I think definitely the pandemic made it okay to say I'm not okay, you know? Yeah. I've been, you know, holed up in my house with my kids and no no access to playgrounds for the past six months. Like, mm-hmm. no parent is going to be okay from no. that. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, but that's, uh, it's so awesome that you're doing that. I mean, uh, you know, I don't believe in trickle-down economics, but I think trickle-down you know, emotional intelligence is it, it, you're leading in, in such a, a healthy way that I'm sure your employees appreciate. Hopefully I, you know, I, I think so. Um, I think everybody gets it here. So it, it 
you know, makes me really excited about the team that I work with also. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's, let's talk about that episode because it definitely piqued my interest about not being in control of your schedule. And, mm-hmm. you know, again, I, I know you were, you know, a lot of it has to do with just going to a holiday and there's family there and you got to, go with the flow when you're in a group setting, everybody, the group decides they want to go here. They, they want to go there. It's like, you just, you kind of have to let it go a little bit. Mm -hmm. And you know, something that I wanted to touch on that I was alluding to at the beginning of this episode is so right now, currently I run four businesses. Um, that's a lot One of which I'm dissolving. Yeah. One of which I'm dissolving into a different entity. Um, Mm -hmm. but it'll still be three. I mean, that's sweet centric, which is my main, business. It's a consulting agency. I've got 20 or so employees and contractors who work for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I have EIQ media, which, you know, this podcast is produced through. And I also produce how I made it through via EIQ media. And then I just am now launching actually, I, I guess last night was the official go live date only because I'm releasing this now to the world and beta users. But, uh, I have an application I wrote called Podtask, mm-hmm. P-O-D-T-A-S-K dot com, which is like a CRM, episode management, task management, event management solution for podcasters. Um, also having the ability to find other people in the directory to reach out and try to book them as guests and you know to be listed in the directory yourself so that people can find you but then there's also this element i added for podcast pitching where you can you know send a, a request to a specific podcast and say hey i would love to be a guest on your podcast in a very personalized way so you know th- so i'm pretty busy and my schedule is bonkers and i have four kids yeah <laughs> on top of that i have four kids now two of them are are adults the older two so they're easy um you know, my day to day is less impacted by them. And then I have a seven year old and a three year old. And, uh, so, you know, I, I am, I feel it often, very often that I am not in charge of my schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, how do I, how do I get through this, Patrick? How, what do I do, man? Help me out. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, uh, just to preface to your listeners that I am not a mental health professional, you know, I, I, interview a lot of mental health professionals so you know just gotta this stay. is the real the real pat telling me from his own just you know personal yeah, experience like <laughs> um yeah i think i think the the easiest answer is finding moments for self-care so is it okay you're gonna find 10 minutes that you can possibly have and, and just like lay down, close your eyes and and do some breathing exercises, or is it something that you can look forward to at the end of the week? For me, that is, uh, I play old man ice hockey on on Sundays and I look forward to that. And you know, that, that helps you as you're dealing with stressful moments throughout the week that like, all right, well, you know, I have this thing to look forward to, but it doesn't have to be something as, as big as that. Just something, a, a walk that, that you like. Or, or, or on a trail that you like or you know a little bit of yoga or a movie time whatever whatever you need prioritizing your own self-care and and finding moments that you can uh, add that into your schedule i mean unfortunately in, in the case of of children children are, are going to need more from you than you know the the boundaries aren't as set and, and you're yeah my three-year-old's not changing his own diapers yet unfortunately no. <laughs> <laughs> he's 
getting close to being potty trained though. That's that's the good there, news. See, there you go. And and as as he's potty trained, you you might have a, a little bit more time to build for yourself. So you just kind of white knuckling until that moment. But uh, yeah, yeah, just just looking for some time and and acknowledging the situation at for what it is right it, it can be anxious and, and overwhelming but until you take a second and, and try to step outside of those thoughts and and examine it from another perspective it, it can it can kick your ass right it, it can absolutely kick your ass and, no and, so. I, and i think you you touched on something that for me um i think is profound which is understanding the moment for what it is mm-hmm. um and my coach Kristen Taylor has kind of spoken about that, um, where just, you know, you kind of take a step back and, you know, you re- you recognize and you kind of name the emotions that you're feeling. God, I'm really feeling really frustrated right now. I'm feeling mm-hmm. really stressed out. And then giving yourself, you know, a break instead of where sometimes, you know, I'll go down this rabbit hole of thinking like, why me? And, you know, kind of this victim mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, or why am I so anxious? I got to stop this. Like, this is crazy. It's unhelpful. Yes. It's okay to feel anxious. It's a natural body experience. Uh, it's very much the same. Your body reacts the same way to anxiety as it does excitement. So yeah, you you can even potentially convince yourself that you are just excited you know maybe i love that a, and that's yeah. that's a really like you know and use that word profound again but that's a profound statement like you, you know we spend so much mental energy you know feeling bad when we're anxious or mm-hmm. feeling like you know we're ill-equipped to deal with some sort of a situation but you know is it a reality to think that we're you know gonna reach this level in our life where we're not going to feel anxious. I mean, it's probably, there's always going to be anxiety. It's really just kind of how we process it and how we work through it and and how we, you know, I think the key is how we not let it sit inside of us where we ruminate about it. You know, you just, you let it go. You know, I feel, Mm -hmm. and I've spoken about this too on this podcast where, you know, it used to be before, you know, I really started getting into like mindfulness and this, this sort of like, um, internal work where, you know, I'd get stuck on these emotions and thoughts. They wouldn't flow mm-hmm. through me. They would just pile up within me and, and ultimately, you know, lead to feelings of resentment and things like that. Yeah. Well, there's two things that, that you made me think of there. So you mentioned getting something out of uh, you and, and, and that's, that's why people journal. That's why people do yeah. art therapy by getting something out, right. It saying it, out loud right and you know the easiest way to just acknowledge it it allows you to remove that feeling from yourself uh and and feel like it's somewhere and and you can come back to it and and reread it you know or if you record it or uh look at the piece of art that you've created uh and and that allows you to have that conversation with yourself but also we're always going to be anxious in, in one way or another, right? Like, let's look at what our lives are, are at this point, right? You got to be a good dad. You have to drink a lot of water. You got to exercise. You got to know all the Netflix shows. You got to like on and on and on and on. Mm-hmm. There's a lot piled onto us. Mm-hmm. And so as things get put on you, you're, you're not always going to be, I mean, we're not supermen, right? We're just human beings who happen to be born 
and, and living in the, in the year 2022, and there's just a lot of extra crap that consumerism is probably propped up on us. And I'm not going to go crazy into all that, but uh, it's just the, re- the, the reality of the world we live in. Yeah, I mean, and yesterday, um, so we're filming this on Wednesday, November 9th. Yesterday was election day, and and election cycles always get people very anxious, right? I mean, oh, yeah. I can't tell you the the amount of text messages I've gotten from my mom. Just, oh, my God, end of the world. <laughs> you know, I'm like, ah, just can we get this election cycle over? So, yeah, I mean, there's mm-hmm. there's going to be things that come up, whether they're internal, tr- internally triggered or externally triggered. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and that's another kind of topic I'd, I'd like to pick your brain on a little bit is just triggers. Um, you know, th- there was a time where I felt like I, I needed to make sure to not put myself in situations where I knew I was going to be triggered, mm-hmm. um, and try to avoid them. But I'm now I'm kind of, you know, I, I kind of think a lot about like, is that, is that what we're supposed to do? Or maybe we're supposed to. Maybe the triggers are there to tell us like, hey, you know, you haven't resolved this yet. And so we're just, the universe is going to keep reminding you that you have this trigger until you kind of acknowledge it and, and, and deal with it. Right. Yeah. What are your thoughts on, on triggers? Just, well, it's, it, I, I recognize that there is a uh, spectrum of, of what a trigger can mean, right? It can mean something small or it can mean, you know, something deeply, deeply traumatic. Oh, no, th- yes, thank you for saying that. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no worries. And, and so, you know, this advice is probably more towards the lesser end. Um, but I, I do think that, right, in, in cognitive behavioral therapy and exposure therapy, you're exposed to the things that scare you. And, and you sit, the idea is to have you sit in them until you realize and acknowledge that you're okay. For example, I, I interviewed a, a therapist who is nervous over driving over bridges. Mm. And she talks about how she t- she told me a story about how she would just like white knuckle it and get it and get through a bridge uh, when she would have to drive over it. But that doesn't get you anywhere because you're not acknowledging you're, you're not like realizing that you are okay. And really the idea is to stay in the moment and acknowledge how you're feeling, but then acknowledging that you're okay, right? Yes. Realizing that you're okay in that moment. And the whole thing is to stay in that until you feel 25% less anxious, 50% less anxious, because then you remember that next time and it, and it, your body remembers that next time, right? And if right. you do that over time and you can slowly build up the, uh, the stakes, you can eliminate it. I mean, yeah. anxiety is a learned response, and so we can unlearn it. Yeah, that's very interesting. Um, well, hey, thank you for for your time today and for being a guest. It's um, always a pleasure to speak with you. So thanks for being here today, Pat. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. Patrick Jones is a journalist, producer, and podcaster. Patrick is host of That Gives Me Anxiety, a show about the things that scare us and how to deal. He's also an accomplished improviser and sketch comedian. He has a master's in film and video from American University. You can read more about Patrick on our website, eiqmediallc.com slash the change, as well as on his podcast, That Gives Me Anxiety. Our theme song and sound engineering was provided by Shane Sufridi. You can listen to more of Shane's music at www.shanesufridi.com. 
If you have a story to share about making a difference in the lives of people you lead, or if you want to tell us what you think about our podcast, send me an email at thechange at eiqmediallc.com. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time on The Change. The Change is produced and distributed by EIQ Media, LLC. Elevate your emotional IQ with podcasts and content focused on leadership, mental health, entrepreneurship, and more.